Um, Banner, we're good to go. Um, it is okay. What I'm 30 seconds early, it's almost half past. Um, all right. All right, um, colleagues, good morning. It is half past. Um, we have a meeting this morning uh, with the NPA in particular. Um, I was in discussion with the NDPP and she brought to my attention recording in progress of the presentation, which would not be the purview or the competence of the NPA. And so we communicated with the Hawks and they are present this morning. So we will receive uh, presentations in that regard <clears throat> from both the um, NPA and the, 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 the Hawks. Largely the issue is that we need to see movement in investigations and prosecutions um, on the issues that we have raised. So um, in DPP, the issues that we had discussed, um, and thank you for um, that very comprehensive engagement that we had. Um, I did uh, um, communicate with the Hawks and so they are here this morning so that we get the full picture um, of um, <clears throat> all the, 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 the issues. So I'm not going to uh, take too long, colleagues. I think let's get right into it. Um, so that uh, we can have time for engagements. And I know the house this afternoon is very busy um, as well. So <clears throat> on that note, let me welcome the SIU, NPA, Hawks, AG, uh, National Treasury, um, and of course, uh, colleagues um, and our team uh, to the meeting this morning. And then, so we'll start with the NPA presentation and then we're going to go to uh, uh, the Hawks. So I hope that uh, is in order. So NDPP, um, over to you. Sister uh, Ben, please enter the apologies um, into the record uh, as is usual um, for us. And let me hand over then to the NDPP. Thank you, Honourable Chair. Uh, good morning um, to you, Chair, as well as Honourable Members. Um, and good morning to um, my colleagues uh, online, uh, General Libya at the TVAC is online as well. Um, Yanni, thanks. Yeah, if you could start the presentation. Um, Chair, we are, I'm here today with um, Deputy National Director Advocate Cock, um, Advocate Rabaji, the head of the AFU, is, is uh, uh, regrettably unwell, but she will be represented by her team. Um, Advocate Andrea, um, um, Johnson, who is the newly appointed uh, investigating director, um, is also present on the platform um, and will be doing part of the presentation as well. Um, I should say, um, uh, Honorable Chair, that since we last uh, were at uh, before Scopa exactly a month ago on the 15th of February, um, the NPA has had um, uh, several new appointments, uh, but in particular, we've had um, eight women appointed to very senior leadership positions in the NPA, uh, being three DPPs, Provincial Directors of Public Prosecutions, the Investigating Director, uh, two Special DPPs, um, as well as two Chief Directors, being the heads of Strategy as well as Finance in the NPA. 
So it's a really exciting time for the NPA in, in that we are filling very key positions um, and it will certainly make a difference in terms of our, our implementation of our strategy moving forward. Chair, um, if, uh, Yanni, if we could please move to slide, the first slide on the introduction. Um, Chair, um, what I should perhaps say by way of introduction is that um, we have, I think we and mentioned you, at the Sorry, yes. I'm sorry, before you proceed, I hope this is not the correct presentation flighted that we have on our screens. This is on TRC cases. They can get the right one. Thank you for pointing that out, Chair. Sorry about this. We are before Parliament on Friday on the TRC matters. Oh, no problem. All right, let's get uh, one for today. All right, so we can proceed. In the right. Sorry, Chair. Sorry. Thank you for that. And don't make sure you don't flight the February presentation as well. We need the, the current one, the, the March one, Yanni, please. Yes, that that's the correct one. If you could get it into slide. Uh, yes, that's great. Um, yes, thank you very much. If you could move to the first slide. So, so by way of introduction, uh, Chair, um, um, you have uh, the, the committee has specifically uh, given us certain questions uh, to answer, and we will we made a, a comprehensive presentation on the 15th of February, and I'm certainly not going to repeat what was mentioned then. Um, for now, I think there are certain points that I would like to to highlight at this stage. Um, and we had mentioned this at the previous presentation, but to highlight that the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding between the SIU, the NPA, and the SAPS, in particular the DPCI, is hugely important so that we, we all have a, there is a currently an SIU, NPA, MOU that was signed, I think, in 2017. Um, but we've reviewed that, and in the process we realized that because of the three, the tripartite agreement, so to speak, because as we explained on the last occasion, cases that are referred to the NPA do not do not meet the criminal standard, and so the matters are are in fact sent to the DPCI to investigate, and then back to the NPA for decisions. That all three of us, all three entities, needed to be to sign on to a single MOU so that we're very clear about the process. So um, you heard the last time that they, we are still waiting for uh, our colleagues in the SAPS uh, to come back to us. So hopefully we can finalize that, which will certainly help us in terms of the, the process, because I think that's where some of the, the, the confusion arises and some of the things fall through the cracks. And talking about falling through the cracks, the other issue that we are working very closely, we are working on in the NPA and of course, it will have to be with our colleagues um, in the DPCI and SIU. We are, we are in the NPA working on a database to collate all of the, to get all of the referrals um, in one space and, and a common one so that uh, between DPCI, ourselves and the SIU, we all have a clear understanding and the same understanding of what cases are where and what where, what levels of progress have been made 
where matters are in the DPCI or in the, in the NPA, there are discrepancies with regard to, to these figures um, in terms of what matters are, particularly, for example, with us for decision or in the investigation space. So we are working with, I think, with our, our colleagues, in particular the DPCI, to ensure that we, we sanitize, well, not sanitize, that's the wrong word, that we actually uh, make sure that we have all the correct figures uh, to ensure that we're on the same page about which cases are where. Um, um, that said, it's, it's all part of, of, you know, the really important collaboration that needs to happen between law enforcement agencies to make sure that these matters move with the speed uh, uh, chair that you mentioned, we are all keen to see. Um, chair, there were very specific questions that were put to us um, and they are on the screen, number of cases withdrawn, uh, reasons for that, um, cases enrolled, finalized matters, and sentences that have been handed down. And of course, the, the uh, reasons why some of the matters, cases are taking long in terms of investigation stage. This is where there's some discrepancy about how many cases are uh, with the NPA. So we need to look at that and we're trying to trace where, where the challenges are and uh, cases where assets have been recovered. Um, if we can move to the next slide, uh, Yanni. So um, we explained on the last occasion, Chair, the, the, the legal framework um, that operates, um, and I'm not going to, to repeat this. Um, I'm sure that members are, are well aware of this now, and we can certainly deal with that at question time if there's, there's any need for clarity on this. Um, Yanni, if we could move on to the next slide. So I think, um, yeah, this again highlights the, the in particular, the, the, the mandate and the framework that actually governs and guides the work of the, of the SIU as well as the NPA. Um, and again, I'm not going to go into the details. We can certainly uh, deal with it in question time if there are any questions. And I think the next, um, I think Advocate de Kock, you will, you will take over from now in terms of dealing specifically uh, with the questions that have been raised. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, NDPP. Uh, good morning, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Good mo morning, members of the, uh, the committee, Honorable members of the committee. Uh, good morning uh, to the colleagues of other law enforcement agencies. Um, at the outset, uh, I think that, uh, as the NDPP indicated, uh, the quest uh, for us all in law enforcement is to enhance our collaboration with each other, and particularly in respect of the important work uh, that the SIU uh, is doing and uh, the referral of the criminal cases uh, to the prosecution. Uh, this presentation, um, the following slides will set out uh, what information we currently have within the MPA um, and, and our uh, understanding of the work that has been referred to the MPA. Now, it's important to remember, uh, uh, colleagues and honourable members, that the work that is referred uh, to the MPA nationally uh, via the head of the SIU is then subsequently referred 
to the various divisions of the MPA um, in the country. And so there's a formal referral of uh, the, the, uh, the, the SIU referral, and there's a formal referral then to a director of public prosecutions who then engages with the uh, specialized commercial crimes unit within that particular division. Um, and then there is also a referral uh, to the Directorate of Priority Crimes Investigations. <clears throat> now, we have indicated before that, that this long-winded way of referring matters is at the heart of the challenge that we face with the management of the SIU investigations and prosecutions. Um, and so the debate about the nature of the referral, the extent that evidence is sufficient within which to make a decision to prosecute or not to prosecute, the extent that further investigation is still required to make sure that uh, there's sufficient evidence for the purposes of a criminal prosecution, um, the question of which uh, suspects have been identified by the SIU um, and which uh, suspects are subsequently identified in a broader investigation that is lodged or launched uh, by the by the DPCI in collaboration with the, with the prosecution team. So the methodology that we follow is that once a referral uh, is received in a division, uh, there needs to be a case management meeting with the DPCI investigator that's assigned and the prosecutor that's assigned. And then they jointly plan how best to take that matter forward. And as that matter progresses, this is where the issue of the different information uh, in, our in our respective spheres arise, because you will then find that the investigation may lead to other suspects, um, more charges, different charges, um, or it may lead to a point where a decision is made that there isn't sufficient evidence to prosecute. And then, of course, a prosecutor uh, under the supervision of senior prosecutors in a particular office of the, of the Specialized Commercial Crime Unit will then make a decision not to prosecute. So I give the background so that there's a better understanding of the slide that we have presented to you now, uh, Chairperson and Honorable Members. Um, this was the information as at... Uh, the end of February 2022. And this again, as I've indicated, according to the registers of the MPA. But I say at the, at the outset, the information that we have before us may not necessarily coincide with the information contained by the SIU and the information contained by the, by the DPCI. This is MPA management information. And so uh, uh, we recognize that there is the discrepancy, the potential for discrepancies. And uh, in the previous slide, we indicated that the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation has been tasked to assist law enforcement, the SIU, 
the DPCI, the SAPS, and the prosecution in terms of the management uh, of this information. And so I say at the outset that uh, there are discrepancies and the way forward will be the MOU that the NDPP spoke about and, of course, the work that we are now doing uh, uh, with the assistance of the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. So let's go to the numbers. Uh, at February, that was the picture that uh, we presented. Uh, we said there were 1,098 uh, referrals in the MPA for investigation, and we indicated 253 uh, referrals uh, had been declined uh, to prosecute. Furthermore, we said there were 41 matters in court, and we also at that point had 41 uh, convictions. Other accused in court, 23, and there were J J50 uh, warrants of, for eight matters. And at that point in time, we indicated there were two matters formally with the MPA for decision. And if I could just stop uh, at this, at this uh, point, what happens with the bulk of the work between the DPCI and the MPA, not just in relation to SIU work, but also in relation to complex tax investigations, organized crime investigations, serious commercial crime investigations, and other priority investigations, corruption in particular, with DPCI and the MPA. There's a constant movement of information between the MPA and the DPCI investigators. And so the question of uh, when a decision is actually formally before us for decision is often uh, the subject of a dispute. So I do understand that the DPCI will indicate that there are more decisions for referral with the MPA, but according to our registers, there's only two decisions currently formally with the MPA for decision. Uh, but that is something that we will, of course, explore further. So what happens is a prosecutor will issue instructions in relation to a particular investigation and the investigating officer or officers tasked in a particular investigation are then expected to, to follow up on those instructions. And there's a to and fro uh, on a particular docket between the investigators and the, prosecution, and the prosecutors. But currently we've indicated two referrals for decision. If we move to the next slide, uh, as at the 10th of March, we see that there's a slight uh, movement um, on the information that we have in our possession. Uh, the investigations outstanding or under investigation is now uh, 1,087, and the decline to prosecute remains at 256, and in court 57, 41, 23, 3, and the decisions are two. Interestingly, there are now only two J50 uh, warrants as opposed to eight in the pre previous slide. So within a month, we see that there is uh, movement in terms of how the matters are being, are being managed in our regions. If we can move to the, to the next slide. 
Chairperson, uh, we were asked uh, to indicate uh, the number of matters uh, withdrawn. Now, a withdrawn matter is a matter that has already been enrolled on a court roll, and then subsequently a decision is made to withdraw uh, a case. Now, in a SIU matter or a commercial matter, the chances are of a withdrawal is not as likely as in our general cases, simply because these matters are prepared uh, for enrollment. So by the time we enroll and we make a decision to prosecute, the investigation of that case would have been largely completed. So the information that we have provided um, uh, is the information relevant to our decisions not to prosecute, because that is the bulk of the, of, of, of the information that we have relevant to the question of withdrawal, if we can talk about a broader uh, definition of withdrawal. But I want to emphasize that when we decline to prosecute, what the prosecutor is saying is that there is not sufficient evidence to proceed with the prosecution. And based on the requirements in our law and the prosecution policy, prosecutors are under an obligation to evaluate the evidence after an investigation and to make an objective assessment whether there is sufficient evidence or whether there are a reasonable prospect uh, of a successful prosecution in a particular case. So the information that we put up on the pie chart, if we can move to the next slide, are the decisions not to prosecute. And we try and indicate on the spy chart, chart what are the main reasons uh, for our decisions not to prosecute. <clears throat> and, and there you have it. We've broken it down and you see the, the bulk uh, of the matters are insufficient evidence, which means that after an evaluation by a prosecutor, when the investigation had been completed by the DPCI, the prosecutor believed that there was not sufficient evidence to prove the criminal intent on, on behalf of a particular accused. So I think that's an important uh, reflection that we need to understand as far as our decisions not to prosecute. So this slide just tries to give a snapshot uh, of the years 2019-2020-2021-2022 and the number of declines to prosecute in each particular year. Um, and that is the information at the high level, 2019, there were 49, 2020, 97, uh, 2021, 72, and 2022, three. Again, honorable members and chairperson, I emphasize that this is according to the information or the management information held uh, by the prosecution in, in its books. So in order to elaborate a little bit uh, on, on the question of uh, the referral by the SIU and uh, the uh, investigation, and the subsequent and the subsequent decision uh, to prosecute or not to prosecute. We use 
uh, in this example, uh, we call it complexity of tracking uh, and we call it uh, the first slide number one. Um, so in this example, and there's a description of the matter at the top, Numa Biza, uh, number of referrals by SIU four, suspects four, there were a lolly decision two, and in court two, in individual accused added one, and corporate accused added three. So already we now have uh, four additional, four additional accused before the court, uh, and our initial referral was only four. Um, and so in the in the narrative on the side of the slide. Uh, we indicate there were two, two of the referrals were declined to prosecute, two of the referrals were prosecution instituted, one additional accused added after the DPCI investigation, and three corporate entities added after the DPCI investigation. And the lessons from all of this is that proper criminal investigation required to ensure that there is no miscarriage of justice. In other words, you cannot just proceed immediately uh, on the basis of the referral that we received, one. And two, the investigation may reveal more evidence and the investigation will receive, will, will generally uh, indicate that there are potentially more accused that should be added to a particular case. And of course, that is in the mandate of the prosecution. This is the prerogative of the prosecution. Our job is to ensure that the administration of justice is properly uh, protected at all times and that we enroll matters only when we believe there's a case. But we need to investigate the case holistically and we cannot rush to court um, because if we rush to court, we are not doing the work properly. And so although we will uh, ensure that all of this needs to happen as fast as possible, we need to be able to do our work correctly in line with the law and the MPA Act. If we can move to the next slide. Uh, in this slide, we give another example um, of uh, the, uh, a referral by the, by the SIU. So this referral was called Department of Rural Development and Land Reform, R405, Rankisfontein. Uh, proclamation number one, project one. Matters three, and number of referrals from this one proclamation were 51. The number of suspects were involved was 17. So again, we, we give an indication of the complexity of a referral. Although it's one proclamation, we can see the number of people that potentially may come uh, to be suspects in a particular uh, proclamation of, of the SIU. And that compounds the challenge that we have as the investigating authority and the prosecution in order to ensure that we can pull this together for the purposes of court. So on the next slide, we will provide some further details of this matter. So the proclamation re refers to conduct between the 1st of January 2008 and the date of publication of the proclamation. The proclamation date was on uh, a date only on the 14th of February 2014. The report was received by the MPA 
on the 20 on the September 2021 uh, it contains three matters or what we refer to as legs uh, with one project code and as we've indicated amounting to 51 referrals of which three referrals relate to particular firms but same uh, 17 accused in all three matters so although there were three referrals the same accused straddled all of those uh, referrals uh, uh, still under investigation so this is a matter that is still under investigation the evidence back, uh, goes back to 2008 and bear in mind the matter was referred to the MPA in September 2021 and also bear in mind that this matter then had to be referred to the DPCI for investigation in order that we can get a comprehensive understanding of any criminal misconduct um and then we say on average reports are received within 2 years after proclamation that again is according to the to the information of the MPA if we may move to the next slide So Chairperson I'm, I'm now on the on the question regarding um the sentences cases uh, uh as far as sentences are concerned because of the short notice of the request for sentences uh the information that we have is a sample of the information that we receive uh from our regions we are still working to up to receive completely updated information regarding all the sentences um based on the on the charges the number of charges and the actual sentences then imposed so so this is still work in progress but out of the sample that we did receive we have indicated as per the two pie charts um uh, how matters have been finalized uh, in our courts uh you will see on the right hand side um uh, the pie chart the large proportion uh, reflected in orange is imprisonment uh, suspended so this means this is where the court imposed direct imprisonment in relation to a particular conviction and the court then suspended that imprisonment for a period um the blue is where we indicated the nature of a fine that has been imposed by the court uh in in this instance we are counting fines of 5000 and above and we indicate in blue the fines that we have uh, received and often a fine is coupled with uh direct imprisonment and uh, then you will see the the darker shade of blue is a suspended fine um and you will see uh, 7 7.6% um of the cases finalized uh direct imprisonment of between 5 uh, to 9 years uh were imposed and then we also have uh, on the slide uh, direct imprisonment of 10 to 14 years and direct imprisonment of 15 years and above Uh, on the right hand side of the slide we indicate uh, the custodial uh, versus the non custodial sentences for the purposes of the committee if we may move to the next slide 
So, uh, Chairperson, just some closing remarks uh, before I hand over to the NDPP and to the colleagues of the AFU. Uh, on sentencing, sentence is passed by judicial officers in accordance to the offender, the offence and the interest of the general society. Uh, plea and sentence agreements are similarly considered by presiding officers to ensure proposed sentences are in line with the aforementioned considerations. The state may appeal against sentences imposed, but the Court of Appeal will only intervene where sentences imposed is considered to be shockingly inappropriate. Uh, in, in general, presentation is meant to explain the complexity of the referrals, the cases and the investigations. Important to ensure that the effective dealing with referrals, investigations and prosecution uh, is, is done in a coordinated manner. And we have indicated that we recognize much more work must be done between ourselves, the uh, SIU and uh, the DPCI and the South African Police Service uh, in terms of our uh, collaboration. The interaction required between the SIU, the DPCI and the MPA to monitor new referrals, investigations and prosecutions. Uh, we are meeting quite regularly with our SIU counterparts um, uh, to discuss the referrals. So there is a, a, a working relationship at an operational level between SIU, the DPCI, and the prosecution. The challenge, of course, is the management of the information. And so if we can get a better, a much better understanding of all of this, we will be able to present a better and clearer picture regarding the progress in relation to each individual matter. Um, so, Chairperson, I think from my side, uh, that is all. Thank you very much, NDPP. Uh, that's my contribution for now. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Advocate Cock. Um, Honourable Chair, the next one, actually, I, I made a mistake. It's not Advocate Johnson who will be presenting. It's Advocate Priya Baseswa who will be presenting. Advocate Rabaji, as I said, is regrettably not um, available. She's not well. So, uh, Priya, uh, over to you. You are unmuted, so you can go ahead. Uh, thank you, NDPP Chair. Uh, the AFU was requested to present on the stats in respect of the number of uh, freezing orders and confiscation orders. The AFU, we have uh, looked at cases that has been referred by the SIU since 2002, including the matters that were referred to the Anti-Corruption Task Team, ACTT, and um, our figures uh, are as shown in the screen. The number of confiscation forfeiture orders, that is final orders, are 48 to the value of 1.7 billion. Preservations, which are freezing orders, we have obtained preservation orders in 70 matters to the value of 4.1 billion to date. Next slide. Next slide, please. The next slide, please, um, Advocate Skitter. The next slide um, then can speaks we, to... Can we be assisted with movement? I know that, sorry for the interruption, we, we as members may have these, but because the meetings are public uh, and there are journals online, it's helpful that um, they are able to keep up. So it's just in the key interest of transparency. I know we as members have them, so can we 
move with the presenter, please. Thanks. Um, thank you, Chair. The correct slide is presented. The next slide um, speaks to the amount of payments that have been made to the criminal asset recovery account and payments to the victims. During the previous presentation, we did not break down the payments, but for the purposes of today, we have broke down the payments. We have recovered monies in 20, monies and property, may I say, in 28 cases. Uh, a total of 5.3 million rand was deposited in the criminal asset recovery account, and we have paid back um, 1.6 billion to victims um, since 2002. So the total recovery um, chair is 1.7 billion. And the next slide, please. So in closing, just a few remarks on behalf of the asset forfeiture unit. Um, many referrals from the SIU has no or very little asset forfeiture potential due to the SIU proceeding with civil recovery. So in other words, the monies or the proceeds are recovered. Um, the referral process, as um, discussed by my colleague, Advocate de Kock, requires substantial additional criminal investigation when it is received by the SIU. This impacts on the asset forfeiture um, unit, bringing... Um, proceedings in terms of poker for the recovery of proceeds. But just um, as a concluding remark, the SIU is a, a key stakeholder in a number of anti-corruption structures, such as the ACTT, Fusion Center, and the Priority Case Review Process. Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you, NDP. Um, thank you very much, Chair. Um, um, just finally to say that um, the DPME is now also, um, you know, involved in, in looking at uh, ensuring progress uh, with regard to SIU referrals, uh, probably um, on the, um, as a result of the, sorry, probably given the fact that these uh, are by way of presidential proclamations. Um, and so, you know, they, they are looking at also developing some, some sort of coordination and monitoring uh, monitoring mechanism with regard to, to the SIU um, referrals that are sent to the NPA and then onto the DPCI. Uh, we, have, we have certainly enhanced our internal monitoring uh, processes, but as Advocate Cox said, we are not where we want to be or where we need to be. Um, and a lot of work is going into this. Hopefully, uh, the next time we present, we will be able to, in fact, give you even better statistics um, that will, you know, ensure that we are we are aligned across the various uh, uh, entities, and that you know we all working off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. Um, I'm going to leave it at that um, chair, and uh, we stand ready to answer any questions. Thank you, chair. Okay, um, thank you very much, um, NDPP and your team. Right, um, I'm going to, there's that slide, um, because I think that's the focused slide. Um, the, the matters as at the 11th of, of March. If we can just go to that one, because I think this is where the uh, DPCI needs to come in now. Right, yes, this one here, right. So if my maths is correct, and I'm really hoping that it is, um, 
1,087 cases under investigation by the DPCI. Um, that's where our focus is. Um, because if I'm assuming that the other numbers or flow out of that 10,087, but if not, then it's a different story. It would mean that only 35.3% of that 1087 is receiving attention in so far as process. But I, so I think DPCI, you are coming in on that particular one, um, on the 1087. So I just wanted to give that uh, precursor to addressing us this morning. Uh, that um, movement on that 1087 is important uh, for us and we need to know where we are. So, uh, General Libya, good morning, um, Dr. And may I hand over to you? Good morning, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm audible. Yes, Doctor, we can hear you, General. Yes, we can. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I am accompanied in the, uh, uh, this August uh, forum by Major General Musibi, um, who is uh, the head component head of uh, the Serious Commercial Crime Investigation. Uh, my deputy is out of the country, and the 18 deputies. Uh, Major General Nibli is uh, also the component head for serious corruption investigation. He's currently sitting at uh, the uh, Finance Committee of the Greater Service. Uh, so that's why I'm only accompanied by uh, Major General Musibi. Uh, with regard to the uh, slide that uh, the chairperson is drawing our attention to on 1087, uh, if my understanding is correct, uh, this number refers to the suspects and not to the, the case dockets. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the uh, investigation uh, of the matter that I are maybe might be lower uh, than that, that figure that is reflected. If uh, the number of cases was to be uh, 547, as I've seen in one of the slides of uh, the MPA, which means that that number may be referring to the uh, number of uh, suspects, not necessarily the, the dockets. So with regards to the uh, dockets, indeed the, the number uh, uh, is, is still high. Uh, we are working on this. Um, it's, it is part of uh, the 21,000 dockets that uh, we are currently handling as uh, the uh, DPCI. But uh, maybe uh, the area that uh, may not be reflecting correctly is, uh, as the MVPP has indicated, is the matters that uh, we have already referred to the MPA for decision. Uh, it will be uh, 
uh, higher than two, but uh, it's a matter that uh, we shall have to uh, check our figures as we believe that uh, it is not less than 53. Uh, so that is the area that uh, we may want to work on. But honorable uh, chairperson and members, uh, we are prioritizing these matters. We are working hard on them. And uh, we believe that uh, we will be able to uh, overcome the challenges that delays, which is uh, currently the number of uh, hands that uh, we are having uh, to deal with these matters. So that chairperson uh, is what I can say uh, at this stage regarding the number uh, of uh, the cases that uh, are currently under investigation as referred by the SIU. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, General. All right, um, I think maybe final point, colleagues, if I may. Advocate Ntibi, are there any comments on your side? And then colleagues, uh, please indicate on the platform if you wish to speak. Um, I don't have the device that you usually use for, uh, with me on hand right now. So please just indicate on the, on, on the platform. But Advocate Ntibi, there any comments on your side? And then colleagues will build questions. Yes, Chair. Uh Thank you. Thank, thank the Honorable Chair uh, and the Honorable members of the committee uh, for giving us the opportunity to sit in. Uh, let me greet the, my colleague, the NDPP and uh, the head of the GPCI uh, and my colleagues that are, that are in the meeting. Chair, we, we, we really would like to express uh a a sense of gratitude uh at 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 the the attention that this matters or this matter is is receiving uh it can only serve all of us in particular the public of South africa that we serve for this matter for these matters to be addressed and to be given appropriate attention i say so chair uh because uh, at least at least since I uh, started heading SIU in 2016, and we started with the new strategy in 2017 already, uh, there was a realization that for SIU to make an impact, all of its referrals have to be implemented, and not exclusively referrals for prosecution. We refer to referrals for disciplinary action for consequence management and also speeding up the civil litigation. But of course, in this meeting, we look at uh, the, the referrals, referrals for, uh, for, for consideration by NPA. Because uh, I think uh, uh, to use the word referrals for prosecution uh, has, a, has a problematic uh, connotation. Uh, but the referrals uh, to NPA for consideration. We started raising this matter, Chair, way back in 2017. Uh, and that is why we ultimately got into an MOU with NPA uh, in 2017 already, so that we can all work together and collaborate to ensure that these matters receive attention. Because we had realized, we had realized, and me in particular, I had realized 
with my colleagues that these matters, at least from the point of view of where we are, they were not receiving appropriate attention uh, and we were not seeing traction. And, and that is how we raised it as far back as then. And we do, we do accept that these referrals are subject to the NPA processes. Uh, but by law, we are enjoined to refer as the legal framework was projected. We are enjoined to refer evidence that points to criminal action to NPA. Of course, from then on, they are subject to, to NPA processes. But as I say, we are pleased to see them now being attended to. And whether the, whether the outcome is as, as indicated in those slides, whether there's declining to prosecute, how many are prosecuted and so on, that is exactly what we wanted to see as far back as 2017, that these matters are being addressed and attended to. So that the efforts of this state entity SIU are not uh, in futility where matters have just been referred. I really wanted to make this, uh, uh, this observation, Chair, and I really want to thank my colleague, uh, the NDPP and uh, the GPC I had, uh, and of course the Honorable Committee, that, uh, that, that, this met, that, that we see some traction. Uh, Chair, just uh, uh, if, if you allow me, I'm, I'm joined by Dr. Wells, who is the Chief Legal Counsel, he is responsible, amongst others, uh, uh, to ensuring that the MOU that we have with NPA uh, is, is attended to where there are issues that are raised. Uh, we have also Mr. Maharaj, who's joining me, the Chief Program Portfolio Officer. He is responsible, amongst other function, functions, uh, in ensuring that the proclamations are processed appropriately and the outcomes are followed up, including the reports that are sitting at the presidency. I'm also joined by Mr. Lacheto, uh, the Chief National Investigating Officer. He's, of course, responsible for the investigations, and he's also part of the team from SIU that collaborates with NPA on the management or the monitoring of the MOU. I'm also joined by Mr. Khanyaho, uh, who's the spokesperson of SIU, uh, we are also joined by Advocate Fisahi. Advocate Fisahi has been with SIU since its inception, and um, he may just make some few comments uh, around uh, uh, some of the some of the observations we have uh, relating to uh, to this to these referrals. Uh, and I say so simply because um, uh, uh, the the SIU Honorable Chair and Honorable Committee is also mandated by law to investigate corruption, which is a criminal offense. I need, to, I need to really underscore this. The law mandates SIU to investigate corruption and it's a criminal offense. And thereby, then there is an expectation that SIU should, up, should investigate appropriately. Of course, at the stage where there's evidence pointing to that criminal offense or any other criminal offense and refer to MPA. So, uh, our, our, our view in this regard uh, relating to uh, some of the, the collaboration uh, in, the, in the MOU, and I've, without really repeating some of the outcomes, uh, we would really, would really um, want to go forward in the management of the MOU to ensure that uh, 
there is, there is an understanding of the outcomes, whether it's declining to prosecute, insufficient evidence, and all of that, that can possibly be a learning for us uh, so that we know uh, where, where, did we, where did we fall short, uh, if, if we fell short in any way. Uh, but in any case, uh, uh, Honorable Chair, I think there is, there is a really enhanced collaboration uh, process uh, with, the, with the GPCI uh, being brought in into the picture. And now when we make the referrals, out of the discussions of the MOU implementation, we have said we refer matters at the same time to GPCI so that we can enhance the collaboration uh, and assist with the, with the outcome after, after, the, um, after the, the, the consideration by, by NPA. Um, uh, so uh, I just wanted to add on that and say the, the, um, the practical realities that have been shown in some of the slides, they really indicate that the extent to which we, we, we investigate and those referrals and, and I'm really looking forward to this enhancement of the monitoring of the MOU, bringing in the, I think the, bringing in the DP, is it DPME. We look forward, we look forward to engaging with DPME where they can really assist us uh, to enhance, to enhance uh, our, uh, our, our, our collaboration. So Chair, uh, uh, on, on, on the last occasion, uh, it, as, I, as I stepped down, on the last occasion, um, we did indicate that, you know, uh, and, and without belaboring this meeting, Honorable Chair, that SIU in the past has had, I'm informed, it had a mandate from, from the NPA to prosecute some of the cases resulting from the large investigations they did. And, and, and Advocate Fisahi has got an institutional memory of that, and we would like to draw him uh, uh, into, the, into the MYU collaboration, uh, where we can really enhance uh, this, uh, this collaboration, so that all of, this, all of these observations, uh, uh, without going into really operational matters, so that they can be appropriately, appropriately looked at. Um, yeah, at this stage, let me just, uh, honor, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Chair, with your permission, just a few minutes, uh, two minutes or so for Advocate Fisahi just to make the comments and then we, we step down. Thank you. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, thank you for the, for the opportunity. Uh, yes, indeed, and uh, I don't want to repeat everything that, that uh, uh, our head has, 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 has said, but uh, as you know, the, uh, the Act, uh, SIU Empowering Act says, we must refer evidence pointing to the commission of an offence to the relevant prosecuting uh, authority. Now, those are, uh, those are very soft words, you know. Uh, it, it doesn't go into detail of what we should be sending to the, to the NPA, but quite understandably, we have embarked on a process, uh, and that is confirmed in the MRU, in the MOU, that we, we not only refer, uh, uh, yes, we think there's an offense committed here to the NPA, we actually sent with it a portfolio of evidence. In other words, let's call it uh, effectively a docket, which we believe proves the elements of, of the relevant offense. But once again, 
we are not the subject matter experts. Uh, the NPA are the subject matter experts when it comes to whether prosecution should be instituted, whether there are reasonable prospects of success in a, in a prosecution. That final decision rests with, with the NPA. So it is quite understandable that there would be a significant number of instances where they, uh, where they would decline to prosecute, where, they, where they, they have looked at the evidence we've forwarded to them, but they are not satisfied that there are reasonable prospects of success. And therefore, the table showing a number of matters where they, they decline to prosecute is perfectly understandable. I think the major difference between now and some years ago is that we were concerned, I know the committee was concerned previously, that there's a huge number of, of referrals and, 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 and uh, it is not tracked what is, what's happening to them and where they are going. Now we can see that that process has been sorted out. Our referrals are being tracked. We, it's reported uh, how many are still in the investigation phase, how many are uh, uh, declined to prosecute, how many are in court, how many have been completed, etc. At least there's traction now, and, and, and that is a, 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 a feather in the cap for, for cooperation between the SIU and the NPA, how uh, we are able to, 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 to track these processes. Um, just on the issue of the portfolio of evidence, or uh, if I can call it a, a SIU docket of evidence to, 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 to prove the offence, uh, in the SIU, of course, we do have a number of, 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 of lawyers, including a number of, of, of people who have previously worked uh, within the prosecuting uh, in, in environment. Uh, I would be one of those. Uh, so we, we do have some understanding of, of the elements of, 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 of certain uh, offences. And, and we know the complexity of some of the, the newer offences like racketeering and, 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 and uh, uh, corruption in terms of PRECA and, 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 and so forth. Uh, we try our best to, 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 to include in those uh, uh, referrals all the evidence required. If it's not enough for a, for a prosecution, we obviously will, uh, will accept that because it's the prerogative for the NPA to prosecute. It's not for, for us to decide. Our job is merely to comply with what our act uh, demands of us. Um, the issue of, of SIU members doing prosecutions is something that dates back to the, to the first uh, decade of the century when the SIU was dealing with a, with a large number of matters, particularly in the, in the social pension space, where we had a whole team of people uh, within the SIU who did thousands of prosecutions across the country on the strength of delegations from the Director of Public Prosecutions. So uh, our team then was led by a retired uh, uh, director of public prosecutions. I think he was still a, an attorney general when he was in that, in, in, in that position. Um, and, and he had in a, a five or six former prosecutors uh, in the employ of the SIU who worked for him and they traveled around the country doing those prosecutions on the strength of delegations received from the, from the NPA. And it was very successful. They completed a large number of matters and, 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 and obtained a, a large number of, of, of convictions. So there is a, a history of, of cooperation on that front as well, where SIU members uh, uh, prosecuted on, this, uh, on the strength of a delegation from, from, the, from the NPA. 
So yeah, um, I was uh, asked just to raise a few points, so I won't uh, uh, bore you with any further detail unless you need more information. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Advocate Fisahri. Honorable Chair, uh, we really are thankful for this uh, opportunity to make comments. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much, HOU, uh, NDPP, General Libya, Siabong. Um, I think on that very happy note of um, uh, cooperation and things gaining traction, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, well done, Scopa, for you. Um, your, 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 your constructive pressure on these matters to get them done. Um, so, yeah, I will go out on that limb, right? Babulis, let me hand over to you. Um, and then, yeah, all right, I think, uh, colleagues, so that questions don't get lost, let us uh, take two colleagues at a time. I think we're doing awful time. So, Honorable Lise and Honorable Yako, and then we'll move in that fashion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Mr. Chairman, you can see I'm sitting in, in my car because of, of the difficulty in getting flights this week, but um, that's another matter altogether. And thank you very much to the various presenters this morning. I think that and as an overall picture, the work being done by the various agencies um, cannot be classified as in any way um, poor. And, and I really do want to, to, to say that I, you know, I think that we should all be, be supportive of what work has been done. But having said that, Mr. Jim, what South Africans are looking for is significant numbers of high-level successful prosecutions and convictions. And whilst I, it is really important to understand the processes that, that have to be followed and, 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 and we accept that they do, um, the, the reality is we, we really aren't seeing the convictions, um, the successful prosecutions and convictions that are generally perceived by South Africans to, to be almost a fate accompli. That's not to say that the proper processes mustn't be followed. So I, I really am concerned about the, the, that and, and the need, I know I've raised this a number of times uh, in terms of budget constraints and resources, um, because it seems to me that if we're going to make the progress that we would like to see, and Ms. Chairman, you're quite right, we, we are doing our little bit with trying to coordinate, and even if everything's properly coordinated, I have my reservations that we will actually see the, the prosecutions and convictions. So I would really like the various agencies to, to without holding back, um, say what the, the resource constraints are um, to achieving the, the, con the conviction. And, and I really do appreciate knowing the detail, or not the detail, but the overall picture of the process that, that are required. And I'm, I'm not in any way suggesting those should be changed. 
But if we're going to get the convictions we need, are there resources other than funding, which we all know is required? And then one naughty little question for, for General Abia, um, Mr. Chairman, he, he and I have been sparring about sign-off since 2017, and now we're talking about the slow pace of prosecution. Perhaps, General, you could, um, you could uh, tell me how far you've got with prosecuting anyone in the Steinhoff matter, but more particularly um, the fellow from Hermanus, um, Mr. Yuster. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right, thank you, Mr. Nautilus, with that naughty question. All right, Honorable Yako. Um, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, thank you for indulging me, and thank you to the NPA for um, their presentation. I think I just have, um, I wanted to ask a question, irrespective of the, 187, um, the 1,087 cases, um, because the slide says data since 2014. So I'm wondering, is this the last span of cases? What is the longest last span of cases that you've had um, on your desk? And what are your targets in terms of the last span of cases uh, on cases that you are working on, especially your high profile cases? Um, and this ties in with my next question, because I noticed that when we went to Department of Justice entities, um, we saw that a lot of um, cases that are being captured are paper-based. Um, so you don't have an electronic way of um, keeping track with the cases which then may hamper on um, sort of evidence that has been given um, and, and, and how much evidence that you've kept. Um, and I think that that, that, that that actually informs my first question, which talks to how long are your cases and then ties in with my last question um, or my concern is that you really don't have synergy because you spoke about your sentences and it doesn't seem like it's a true reflection of what is actually happening in terms of sentences, um, which means that you don't have a proper synergy between your departments, as you said. Um, and that worries me. Um, if you don't have an electronic format of tracking your cases, uh, making sure that each case is tracked and successfully prosecuted um, in a way that is satisfactory and can be accountable and you can also stand by it. So um, I think, honestly, my main question, what is your digital system and what, how do you, um, how do you, what are your measure, measurement, measuring um, formats as to how you, um, you track a case? How long should a case be um, up and in the A4 for you to say that you've had a successful prosecution of a case? Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Honorable Lis and Honorable Yago. Let's get um, responses to those uh, questions, and then we'll take the next batch um, of, of questions. So the leadership of the entities will um, answer as they deem fit across the spectrum of the issues that have been raised. I won't come Thank in until all questions are answered, just to manage time. If I may uh, go ahead, uh, Chair. Um, so, Chair, I think uh, what I should um, say is that, um, uh, you know, I, I agree with, with, I think it was Honorable Lees who said, you know, we certainly, you know, significant amount of high profile cases, uh, there's not enough that's coming through. 
And so, you know, one has to look at what are the challenges that law enforcement is having. And I think we've got to have a really frank and candid discussion about challenges and so that entities like parliamentary committees like SCOPA can actually help law enforcement in terms of ensuring that cases move quicker. So from the perspective of, of the NPA, and I'll, e I'll leave General Libya to speak about the, um, the, the challenges that they may be having, because a lot of work is still in the investigation space. From the NPA side, um, of course, you know, there's been a lot of focus at the moment um, in terms of the, um, um, you know, the, the uh, resource uh, constraints that the NPA was laboring under for many, many years until I, I took office in 2019. Uh, and found a very depleted organization. Since then, we have certainly had a lot of support and we've been receiving funds. And I have um, uh, Advocate Duplessis who's online who could talk a bit more about our resourcing. So from our perspective, of course, a lot of our efforts at the moment, certainly in the next six months, um, whilst the other work is continuing because you know the NPA deals with murders, rapes, robberies, organized crime, a whole lot of other types of organized crime, this is really one slice of the work of the NPA that, that the NPA does. But what I want to say is that we've been, we have made requests for budget. We have been, Treasury uh, has been very supportive. The minister has been very supportive. And we have certainly received a budget that, uh, so from the NPA perspective, yes, for very specialized types of skills, we are still, you know, building that capacity. Um, but certainly, you know, we, we have the capacity to deal with cases. And on this point, to mention uh, what uh, Mr. Fasahi, I think, mentioned from, from the SIU. Um, yeah, you know, um, that was, I recall some years ago, there was this initiative. I think it was when Willie Hofmeyer, who is from the NPA, was the head of the SIU. It may well be, I could be mistaken. And I think the DPP was Frank Khan. Uh, who was a Western Cape DPP that 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 started to do this? I want to say that those cases were the very uh, the very um, not complex cases. I recall that very simple matters, which the NPA is very is able to deal with because we have the capacity, and you know there is a single national prosecuting authority in this country, and it's important that that the government gives the NPA the resources that it needs and requires to deal with these cases so that also we can deal with it as as it in an objective manner so you don't have an invest so i think it's really important that to make the point that those were not the complex matters which the npa uh, doesn't have a problem dealing with it's the complex matters which mr lee's talked about that are the ones that are really giving us the challenges and so from our perspective, it is about skills, but we are certainly working on that capacity, and um, we have we have the resources that we need uh, in terms of the budget. But then it brings me nicely onto the question uh, raised by by um, Honourable Yako. Um, you know, what is the lifespan of a case? It's it's very very difficult to say because it depends, of course, on the complexity of a case. And General Lubia can come in on this. And it also depends on the resources and whether you have the resources to ensure that investigations move speedily. And so depending on the complexity, a case could, you know, it, it's, it's like asking a question, how long is a piece of string? But I agree, we cannot have cases, you know, that, that go on indefinitely. And, and we must try to ensure that even in the complex matters, we bring them to court as quickly as we can. 
Um, the lack of digitization, which you raised, is definitely a challenge. And as I mentioned in my opening, we are, we are looking at um, enhancing the capacity of the NPA to ensure that we have you know, the, the, the electronic databases and not just the NPA, that it's, it cuts across, that all the entities are, are talking to the same, the database is assisting all of us because that's the problem is you have different databases, so everyone has different figures and they're just not talking to each other. And so, you know, the integrated justice system of the, of the, of the Department of Justice, um, you know, which is, is got some more momentum now, is certainly, you know, will help in this process. But in the meantime, we are trying to put together systems um, that are, our system, you're right, it's still largely paper-based. And so we're trying to put in place systems, electronic systems to be able to deal with this. Um, so I think, I think those, those are the questions. Um, and I just want to make one more comment before I allow my colleagues, just to say that one must remember that, that prior to 2019, um, you know, Advocate Motivi speaks about 2017 and the concern with cases not moving. One must remember that there was absolutely no will, political will, will in law enforcement to deal with these cases relating to corruption, high level corruption. And so these cases were deliberately not being given any attention. Um, since 2019, there has been a focused there's a, a, a focus on these cases. And so we are together with the DPCI, our colleagues in the SIU, really trying to make impact, but also building the capabilities and capacities at the same time. Um, so I think I'll leave it at that chair and, and allow my colleagues uh, to contribute. Thank you. Advocate Cock, is there anything you want to add before we hand over? I just want to add on the last point uh, in the PP, just to confirm and reaffirm that all our resources in the MPA is directed at our focus on corruption. Um, uh, over the next six months, the MPA is ramping up its ability to deal with complex corruption. We are coordinating our work across all components within the MPA, including uh, with the new head of the ID and the collaboration between all our divisions through our directors of public prosecutions and the head of the ID will be strengthened. As far as the corruption and the commercial work is concerned, we have tasked the head, the special director of our commercial component, to immediately continue the uh, fostering of the collaboration with the SIU in head of investigations. We've indicated that they should meet at least once a month. We need to clean up the information that we have before us in, in terms of the data that we have, and we need to identify exactly which are the priority cases and which are the cases that we can call the so-called low-hanging fruit cases. We will, we will continue with our, 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 our process of uh, dedicated capacity uh, on, on these corruption matters, including dedicated capacity in the MPA uh, to work with the SIU. So again, I think we are on track, uh, honorable members and, and chairperson, I think we're going to enhance the way in which we do the work over the next six months. And I think the results will speak for itself. So that is our commitment that we do make, that the MPA is really going to focus very strongly on corruption. In the PPA, I saw an uh, advocate Duplessis yes, at his hand, so maybe you'd like to say something as well. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Advocate Duplessis, uh, please go ahead. Um, thanks, NDPP. Um, thanks, Advocate Dukok. I think you, you captured it quite nicely, actually. I wanted to make the point about our six-month priorities and the 
the sort of sharpened focus that we're going to have not only within the NPA but with our partners. But I do want to pick up something on something that our Minister of Justice said in Parliament last week, and it comes to this question of resources, where I think the Honourable Member said it's not just about money, and I do want to make that point. It's not just about money. There's a, a massive shift in focus that's needed. One of the things that happened since our rebuilding effort in 2019 that the NDPP speaks about is that we realized that um, those committing these kinds of crimes got a 10-year head start on us in many ways. And um, that means not a, a slight uptick in our pace is required, but a huge step up. Um, you know, it's a, it's a sprint to catch up. We are confident we will catch up. But a lot of things have to happen to en enable us to catch up. As I say, we, we, we did start on the back foot and, um, and it's relatively, you know, three years is a relatively short time to be playing catch up. But one of the things we need to do is not just focus on money, but we need to be, as the minister said in parliament, bold and innovative in terms of how we bring the resources into the NPA and the criminal justice system. And that's not just about bringing resources in, in terms of money. It's about how we collaborate with the private sector. It's how we bring in the resources that are needed from the private sector without undermining our independence uh, or our ability to prosecute these cases without fear and favor. It's about how do we create partnerships across the criminal justice system uh, that bring, uh, um, bring much more efficiency and effectiveness to our efforts. That is where we require a bit of a mind shift change. And I think there's an opportunity right now in response to the Zonda reports where uh, Judge Zonda himself makes that point, that there needs to be a review of the legal structure and architecture that we currently operate in. Um, with a very honest reflection on what's working and what's not. Uh, for example, the model of prosecution-led investigations. We need to have a, an in-depth discussion um, on how to uh, or whether to amend the current legal framework within which we operate. And that is something which I know uh, we'll be working on uh, to make recommendations to the minister and to the president. Um, but it speaks to this bold and innovative response that's needed. If we think we're going to play catch-up, after being 10 years behind without making those bold changes, I think we're mistaken. Um, but as Advocate de Cox says, we at the NPA um, have introduced this into our, our priority focus and we look forward to, at least by the end of this year, not only have moved forward on some of the cases that have been highlighted today, but really move forward with a fundamental mind shift that's required in terms of how the broader criminal justice system operates in relation to the nature of the crimes we face today. And let's not forget, the nature of the crimes and the complexity is not going to slow down increase of cyber th technology and cyber crimes means we're going to have to keep pace even more in the future. So I think this comes at an important time. Thank you, colleagues. Thank you, Anton. Thank you, Honorable Chair. That's from the NPA for now. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson and uh, Honorable Members. Uh, the question to the uh, works has been run. Um, that deals from the Honorable uh, Mr. Lewis, that deals with the uh, Steinhoff uh, investigation. Uh, in that matter, although it was not part of the brief that we got, uh, there have been developments uh, with regard to the uh, review or appeal of part of the matter that uh, the Financial Sector Authority uh, uh, took to the uh, tribunal. So based on that, there, there is uh, still a uh, view that uh, the authorities dealing with the prosecution shall look at that. So initially we believed that uh, we would have moved in December, 
but based on that uh, appeal, uh, there is a re review of uh, the way forward. Otherwise, the mutual legal assistance is still uh, being uh, attended to. So that is uh, where we are at this stage. Uh, with regard to the other matters that the NDPP uh, has also voted that uh, we may also come in, uh, I need to indicate that uh, as a point of departure from the DPCA, we appreciate the collaboration with the other law enforcement uh, agencies that uh, we work with within the anti-corruption task team, also within the uh, operational committee as uh, approved by the lawmakers. So in that uh, space, we, we work with the SIU. We will see when the SIU is conducting searches and the like. And we will also be participating to support advocates with TV and the team. And uh, when the MPA is dealing with the uh, asset issues, we work closely with them. And uh, when it comes to the investigation, we collaborate so that they guide uh, the investigation as to whether everything that is needed for prosecution is readily uh, available in the docket, so that if not, we can deal with that. We have also uh, noted, which uh, I think we have indicated in the past, that uh, we are working and building the capacity of the uh, DPCI. Already we have appointed in the field of forensic uh, accounting investigation, uh, that we are building in that space. Uh, uh, they are also busy uh, doing the shortlisting of some of the points that we have advertised in that space. And then uh, we will be moving away from the current 48% capacity uh, that uh, we are having in the DPCI, uh, obviously with the relaxation of uh, the COVID-19 that has slowed down the recruitment processes, we believe that we will be moving a little bit quicker. Chairperson, uh, we also need to be highlighting that uh, we have also uh, done duty arrangements uh, so that 15 of our members can operate from the ID space in the NPA so that we can assist with the matter that the ID is doing. And then, uh, unfortunately, we have also, in addition to that, lost line of our members who desire to join the, uh, the, the NPA. But that is uh, usually the case when we are competing for uh, limited resources. Uh, we have discussed with the NPA, which I think that they are considering that uh, that uh, now that uh, we have got uh, the specialized prosecutors dealing with uh, serious commercial crime cases, now that uh, we also have got uh, dedicated prosecutors that are dealing with uh, serious organized crime, we also need dedicated capacity to deal with uh, serious corruption investigations. That is where we have uh, made proposal, and I think that uh, the NPA uh, is working on that. We believe that uh, if we, we can also have that capacity, the matters of uh, serious uh, corruption will also uh, move quicker than 
uh, the current situation. I think that I will also be attending to the uh, question of uh, uh, the honorable beings that uh, we also need to be seen uh, high level uh, prosecution. Uh, in fact, that capacity is there within the investigation and also with the prosecution. The matters can move quicker uh, than we are currently seeing it. So that is the uh, comment that I needed to bring in from the uh, DPCI. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Uh, thank you very much, MDP and your team, right? Um, Honorable Hattebe. Honorable Somia, in that order, please. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, all protocol observed. We welcome the report, Chair. I just want to follow up on what the NDPP has said. Um, that prior 2019, there has been no political will and otherwise to prosecute these cases, Chair. Um, while we also welcome the, the new appointments in, in the office, just want to get a sense um, at this current juncture whether or not they've been able to clean their house. Um, have they been able to change the culture, the mindset that existed prior 2019 um, in relation to prosecution? And if we were to measure the level of commitment to serve and to do the right thing in terms of prosecution, um, what would you say is the level at this current juncture? Uh, whether or not, if that's the case, you still have uh, within your director or those that had uh, a laissez-faire attitude previously, and what are you dealing with such within your director? Thank you, um, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh... Uh, the chairperson, and, and uh, thanks for the uh, reports and the comments. Uh, in, in the first instance, I, I looked into uh, whether I would refer the pyramid or the, 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 the horizon in as far as uh, the arrangement uh, of uh, attending to these uh, acts. One, in the primary instance, uh, currently we're looking into the referrals uh, by the SIU, how those are being attended to by the NPA. Uh, we might deal uh, with all other uh, related matters in terms uh, of the fusion center uh, per se, but, but the current, the current uh, instance deals specifically with the uh, SIU uh, referrals uh, to the uh, NPA. <clears throat> then looking into uh, the puzzle, uh, in terms of those referrals, you'd, you'd find out that uh, why the SIU ha has got an independent role in terms of the civil matters uh, which have come through their own investigations and deal with those uh, in terms of their uh, own uh, uh, prosecution line uh, uh, to recover uh, some amounts and so forth. And, and then the referral will be made on the sticky criminal matters uh, for prosecution uh, specifically uh, to uh, the NPA and without jumping uh, uh, the uh, TPCI, which itself has got 
further investigatory uh, capacity uh, to deal with those matters which ought uh, to be investigated further as they uh, are opposing some kind of uh, depth in terms of seriousness of the crime. To the NDPP, in terms of your system uh, of accountability, when, when you appraise uh, yourselves, you appraise your team, you appraise your structure, you appraise your performance, uh, what, what could you uh, place at the center uh, of that appraiser, uh, which, which would uh, 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 create a, a sense of comfort that indeed to manage the cases, uh, we are on track and uh, to arrive at a clear prosecutorial uh, uh, success uh, or referral to court uh, for such uh, instances, whether there's acquittal or uh, there is a successful prosecution. And, and uh, your appraisal methodology, uh, as you would see it in appraise your functionaries, you appraise your system, you appraise your own uh, standard of work. What, what are those uh, critical areas which would say this is the focal point uh, for such? Uh, because in this instance, numbers don't lie. Uh, you look into the statistical uh, reference uh, of such matters which are referral, and you look into uh, between now uh, and the time such referrals have been made, and you look into the level uh, in terms of those matters which are still sticking uh, uh, with your or system in terms of uh, fulfillment. And, and uh, what is it that uh, we uh, in the country uh, we should uh, receive a sense of comfort in saying, no, this is a pr appraisal method, is, is an appraisal method which shows a level of uh, uh, hope uh, that things are somewhat happening uh, in as far as these referrals are concerned. The last matter, if you take that and leads into what uh, the SRU has said, that there's been a time when certain matters which have been uh, successfully investigated by the SRU, which uh, would have in collaboration with uh, yourselves and NPA, uh, you would give them the right in terms of uh, a, a delegation uh, to deal with those matters up to uh, the finalization in terms of prosecution. And, and uh, what is it that stops you now? Uh, in terms of dealing with those matters in that way, because you have made a point which I do respectively accept that you're not only dealing with uh, SRU referral matters, there are other serious uh, crimes uh, which your teams are dealing with and which you are focusing on. And, and therefore, if the state invests in these institutions and there is some form of capacity in these institutions, what is it that stops you uh, to work through, uh, you see, that line and see the success in terms of handling uh, of these uh, 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 referred uh, cases to yourself. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Babu Samuel and Honorable Hatteb. Let's get responses to those uh, questions. Thank you.
Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, on the on the first issue that was raised by Honourable Hadebe, um, let me firstly uh, say that in in the in the past years, when there was, as I said, no commitment uh, to deal with these matters, and of course, I was referring specifically to these corruption matters. Um, that are investigated in the SIU space, but actually it, it's not restricted to that. I mean, we've seen what has emerged from the Zondo Commission. Um, but what I would like to say is that during that period, it was a very small percentage of, of staff, particularly in leadership levels in the NPA, um, that didn't have the, the, the will to do these cases. Uh, the majority of the staff members in the NPA, and there's about 4,500 um, staff in the NPA, are really hardworking, dedicated prosecutors committed to bringing justice for the victims of crime. And so, um, you know, we've certainly, um, my assessment now is in as much as there may be a, a small, very, very small percentage of staff members that we are still dealing with, and there are processes in place at the moment, um, that will hopefully come to fruition fairly soon. I would say 99% of prosecutors in the NPA are, are dedicated to the cause of justice for the people of South Africa. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we certainly have a good team um, that can move us forward uh, as we try to, to turn the ship around. Um, with regard to... Um, Honorable Somio's um, questions. Um, in terms of the system of accountability um, that he asked for, um, that he, he inquires about, um, you're absolutely right, uh, Honorable Somio. You know, we have to be razor sharp focus in terms of what are the deliverables that, as you say, will give the people of South Africa the, the assurance that, um, that we are on track, so to speak. So we had our, our, um, our uh, planning session um, a couple of weeks back. And, um, you know, a lot of work's been, been happening, uh, been yeah, going on for the past three years. But what we decided um, is that we're going to have systematic reviews in the NPA at three different levels. Um, and these are going to happen firstly at the level of compliance with regard to our reporting to parliament obligations. Um, secondly, um, we are going to have review in terms of what we have, our six month priorities. And so you will understand chair and honorable members that in as much as a whole lot of work in terms of all the other crimes is still continuing, um, the, the priority focus for the next six months to start off with, and certainly will move for beyond that, is looking at implementation of the Zondo Commission recommendations. So we've put together a task force in the NPA um, in terms of coordination within the NPA and then with our partners. And there's a razor sharp focus on the six, next six months to start off with in terms of how do we implement Zondo Commission um, recommendations? How do we ensure, and together with our DPCI, who are, we are working closely with, together with the ID that has a very specific state capture mandate, our focus in the next six months is going to be implementation. And then there's going to be 
reports at um, reviews at this level um, at every Manco and Exco of the NPA in terms of progress on these matters. And the third level of review in the NPA will look at our more longer term strategic ob objectives in terms of what we call is developing an IPAC organization, I for independence, P professional, A accountable, and C credible. So we have roadmaps that at the end of hopefully my term, we will be able to say the end, this is what we've achieved to ensure that the NPA is truly an IPAC organization. So there's a whole lot of work streams that are working on that. So that's the third level of review. So, and as we move forward, um, we will be signing performance contracts um, in, in April. All of the, the high level priorities that we've identified will be reflected in the performance contracts of staff members. Performance contracts and performance management will mean something. And of course, all of these priorities will be reflected in those performance contracts. And we will have on, we have resuscitated, there was and what is called an enterprise performance review committee in the NPA many years ago, which for various reasons stopped functioning. We've now resuscitated what we call the organization performance review uh, mechanism. And myself as the national director, the focus for certainly the next six months moving forward to a year is specifically on state capture cases and performance in the NPA in terms of delivering on our priorities and holding staff members accountable. So that, that's on the second issue. On, on the third issue um, that was raised, I think it was it was also by Honorable Somio. Um, um, what, I should, what, what I really want to say, colleagues, is to start off with by saying that each, each institution has independent mandates. The NPA is a constitutional entity that has the mandate of prosecuting in South Africa. We must ensure that the NPA has all the resources that it has to prosecute cases, all cases for the people of South Africa. So if, for example, one says, look, and we've had this, you know, there've been other SOEs want to say, look, let us, let us prosecute these cases. There's very good reason why we have a single prosecuting authority. And that is to ensure that cases are dealt with in a, an, an objective and fair way. And so in as much as in the past, when the other uh, um, initiative that we mentioned earlier on relating to the, to the less serious issues that the SIU was dealing with was being handled by way of uh, delegations, certainly in the NPA, we now have the capacity and we have um, you know, good working relationships. In fact, what we, should, what we should look at maybe with the SIU and Advocate Motivi and I can perhaps talk about is, from an earlier stage to actually get prosecutors from the NPA more involved with the SIU as we do with some of the, um, with the DPCI in some of the more complex matters. But perhaps to get prosecutors because those easy cases are very much district courts and maybe some regional court matters, but they can de be dealt with very quickly at that level to perhaps consider getting prosecutors, dedicated prosecutors in the NPA that work with the, the SIU at an early stages where these cases can be identified. And then um, we can actually move these cases through the system quickly. So that's perhaps something we can look at in terms of how we can fast track those less serious cases. And Advocate Motivi and I can perhaps have some conversations about that. But we certainly want to ensure 
that cases, the less complex cases or the simple cases as they were, as well as the can move fast through the system. And then the more complex cases, of course, will take will take more time as, as we deal with those issues and, and try to get them trial ready. Uh, thank you, Chair. I think I've dealt with all of the all of the questions. My okay. colleagues, I'm not sure. Thank you, Chair. Please go ahead. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other comments from uh, the DPCI um, or from any other um, uh, members of the NPA. But let's go to yes. General Libya and then we will come back to NPA. Thank you, Thanks, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I don't think that there was any specific uh, question that was directed to the uh, DPCI, uh, unless if uh, there is a specific one that uh, needed to be coming in. Otherwise, uh, we are comfortable. Thanks, uh, Chairperson. Okay, thanks, General. All right, um, NPA uh, personnel? Yes, yes, yes I would you. like to. I would just like to add uh, to what the NDPP said on the dedicated capacity. So subsequent to that initiative <clears throat> that was referred to earlier, there was a management, a top leadership decision taken in the MPA, and this was around about 2007, 2008, under the then uh, NDPP uh, advocate Vusip Kohli, that uh, no prosecutor uh, will be assigned to any institution to conduct prosecutions. Now, the question is, why was that decision taken? That decision was taken because it's in line with the Constitution, as the NDPP said, of a single prosecuting authority. But more importantly, prosecutions happen under the authority of directors of public prosecutions. And in order for us to hold our directors accountable for one, decision-making, two, uh, acting within, in the confines of the policy of the MPA, the policy that's been approved by Parliament. This is the main reason why you don't want to give prosecutors to any institution that just wants them. But what we are prepared to do, as the NDPP indicated, is to work very closely with all the priority areas, including the SIU. And so we invite the SIU to have this collaboration with us that we are allowed to get involved quite closer in the investigation phase of, of the SIU matters with the DPCI. That is a model that's not new. We have offered this model and this is the only way in which we are going to work it. And then we've got examples of working very closely with the tax authorities. The tax authorities don't have prosecutors, but they've got dedicated prosecutors within the MPA that are working very closely with, with, with the tax authorities. And so we've got various examples of that model. So I'm just imploring the committee to understand that it's not so simple just to say, give prosecutors to any institution that wants it. That is going to be a recipe for disaster for this country. And so we will come back to this and say, our approach is going to be um, enhance the capacity of the MPA to do its work. That's what we're doing now. We are getting more budget for resourcing. That's what we're doing now. And we will focus on the dedicated priorities, including the SIU work going forward. Thank you very much, NDPP. Okay, um, thank you very much. Um, I think there's a very keen understanding uh, on the part of the committee 
on the individual mandates uh, of the respective um, agencies in the law enforcement uh, cluster. Uh, we quite keenly are, you know, clear on that particular aspect. Um, and I think that um, more than any other heads of the units, the NDPP and the head of the Hawks know, and Advocate Team, in fact, on our continued clarion call towards um, the pooling and sharing of resources in the conveyor belt of investigations to ensure successful prosecutions. So that does not take away at the independence, but in our view enhances um, the prospects of successful prosecutions and recoveries to the state, which are an important um, issue for us because it's just the rents and sense that we want and the criminals behind bars. And of course, we are also keenly aware of the fact that the NPA is not just prosecuting the corrupt elements of society. It's got a, 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 an array of issues it must deal with, as the NDPP was pointing out to. There's other um, matters which are out there, gender-based violence, um, you know, the, um, what you might call the cash and transit heist, amongst others, all those ultimately from the various in investigative spaces land on the desk um, of the NPA. So we're quite uh, are clear uh, about that. Uh, but what is important uh, here is to, one, give support to the law enforcement agencies and to ensure that the right things are done at an urgent speed. Uh, and with the necessary um, conviction uh, that there is a focus on the on all the various spaces. Um, and so the issue of resources is very, very important um, in, in, in our view. But what we are expecting um, is that cases move with speed. Um, I think that there must be no illusion about that to any... Um, you know, second guessing um, around that, that the issue of, um, you know, sp speed and urgency, of course, not compromising on the quality of the investigation, so that it's a bungled case, no, no, no. But it, it, it speaks to skills, expertise, knowledge, and capacity. That, that speed hinges on those things. Um, and so I think that uh, as we, inch you know closer and closer to a streamlined process inch closer and closer to collaboration that's what will satisfy the committee that there is a maximum use of the minimum resources so i think that that that, that is where we are and that there is progress uh, is, is is a good thing so i think um i just wanted to 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 go to the issue of uh, the separation of responsibilities, powers, and functions on one hand, uh, but also understanding we are one state, you know, and so it's important that um, the state machinery works in sync with each other, uh, and, uh, you know, that silos are minimized to avoid duplication and wasteful and fruitless expenditure if we had worked together, certain things would have moved with speed. Let me go to Honorable uh, Lise and Honorable Somi, right? Mazamba. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, yeah, a, a great deal has been said, and and a lot of positive stuff has been said, and and so um, that that is great. But I think the the one thing that, that has been concerning me and and hasn't really been addressed this morning um, is the question of the the AFU's recoveries. Um, you know, the, the comment has been made that we, we sort of 10 years behind the curve, um, and that's absolutely right. But that 10 years has, um, there's an accumulated theft of money, pure and simple theft and corruption and fraud, which amounts to billions of rand. Um, but the asset forfeiture unit is looking at what seems to you and I, if I had 1.5 billion, I think is the figure that's been recovered, um, but it might be another 4 billion. Now I'm forgetting the exact figure, but even if it's 5 billion, which um, would set me up for a relatively short period of my life left, is actually a small amount of the amount that has been stolen from from the state and taxpayers. What, from the AFU's point of view, are, are you satisfied with the amounts? Um, and if not, to recover, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I'm not sure if you got Honorable Lewis at the tail end, he seemed to buffer. But if not, um, you, 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 you let us know. Babu Samuel. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the responses which uh, have been told in by the NPA on the matter, uh, but they're missing the point. They missed the point. Uh, you see, in the, in the height of the pandemic, the president has created what has been termed the fusion center. And in that fusion center, a number of uh, uh, these uh, uh, institutions that uh, relate in fighting crime and uh, restoration of the ethical conduct generally in, in our uh, society were brought together under one uh, a, a roof as a symbolic uh, instance. They work together uh, knowing very well that uh, I'm here, but I'm in the house of auditing uh, the books, but I take matters, I refer them where they are, are supposed to go after the findings uh, which have been made and uh, those referrals ought to be dealt with within that. There are more than 8,000 matters which were referred by the Auditor General uh, into the Fusion Center. We're not talking about that. We're still talking about referrals uh, uh, to the NPA from the SIU in finalization of the reports, uh, which the president uh, yesterday, uh, in appreciation of the work of the SIU, uh, uploaded their role uh, uh, in, in terms of their own success uh, on, those, on those matters. Something which we must, uh, um, as a matter of agency, uh, find a way of attending to those uh, matters with uh, speed. Uh, let alone the fact that uh, uh, in the mail, there are going to be thrown other matters, as it is the case now. The Zondo Commission report is getting there uh, with uh, the myriad of such cases to be looked into. 
and you say, oh dear God, if we are in this pace now, what then is going to be the situation when uh, there's that massive referral uh, again to the same institution uh, on the similar matters which would need uh, some form of prosecution investigations. And and, uh, if we appreciate uh, the capacity that the state has generally in its own institutions where there's been investment uh, in terms of resource base, why can't we uh, insist that the state must find a way of solidifying uh, collaboration of these entities even at the time when some of these things have been made a bit easier uh, to, uh, to follow. And, and, and therefore, the silo mentality, which is very strong uh, in us, is not going to assist the country. Uh, yes, we appreciate the independence, we appreciate uh, the fact that we've been given that right, but there are others who are working uh, as part of that. Looking into the referral uh, points, uh, uh, you see the case in terms of uh, investigation finalized by SIU, uh, getting into uh, the NPA or further investigation, uh, you see, to other institutions. And, and uh, that itself eat into uh, a duplication, uh, which we would find in, in terms of the nature, uh, you see, of such investigations. Yes, I appreciate the fact that you might want to uh, say you have your prosecutors uh, to be part uh, of the SIU or any other structure uh, in terms of investigation. These matters, where they are referred to yourselves, would have come solidly with necessary documentation, necessary proof, and ready uh, for the prosecution going forward. And that is going to be easy. If we lose this, this fact of emphasis of your own, if you, you want to emphasize independence, you're not going to get collaboration from others. So uh, this thing must not occupy your mind. What should occupy your mind is to how can you work together collaboratively with other institutions to ensure that we reach, uh, you see, the uh, actual need to read society uh, with such a, a areas of magnificence. So, 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 so uh, uh, my view is the view uh, which seeks to say in whatever way, without uh, saying you lose your right, because in any deputation delegations, there's no loss of right, there's no loss of independence. Is what is there is that you say we're working together to try to realize this goal. Otherwise, come next year at this time, we're still going to be faced by the same numbers, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, if we're not going to improve our behavioral patterns around these matters, would only hold on our own independence on these matters. I'm afraid. That's where we're going to be found to be uh, come next year, this time around. The same thing is going to happen. Thanks, Chair. All right, um, let's get uh, responses to that. And then I think colleagues, we will bring it to an end um, or after that. So NDPP uh, and the head of Hawks and SIU, over to you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Chair and, and Honorable uh, Member, Honorable Somio. Uh, let, let me start off by saying that I agree completely 
We all, all law enforcement agencies, each one of us, in the context of our mandates, must work for the good of South Africa Incorporated. We have to work together. Um, you know, in as, as the chair said, the, the justice conveyor belt, that's what it is. But in that conveyor belt, looking at how can we actually collaborate for the benefit of the country to make sure that the country is the one that at the end, and the people of the country are the ones that are the beneficiaries of our collaborative efforts. That is critical. And so if there's any suggestion that the NPA wants to work in a silo, I, I want to please discount that immediately. In fact, uh, uh, barely a couple of, of weeks ago, and General Labia is on, and so is Advocate Mutibi, um, we actually insisted that there be a principals meeting of, of the Fusion Center, uh, which uh, to ensure that we're able to collaborate better. And that was a meeting that I called for because I felt that we needed to be collaborating better um, as law enforcement so that we actually support each other and each other's work and, and don't work with the silo mentality about what is good for the NPA or the DPCI or the SIU. Because if we work in that way, I agree, uh, honorable members, it's the country is going to lose. And, and as, as the, the, the chair also said, so how do we actually collaborate for the benefit of the country? Uh, ensuring that we utilize, the, that we work um, you know, within our mandates, that we utilize the skills that we have in each of our entities for the benefit of the country. And I think that is what we're actually trying to do in terms of having these, these collaborative meetings, because the Fusion Center is a very good concept on paper. It needs to work because all parties are committed to working with that spirit of collaboration. And I think that is what's critical. So um, I think there's a lot of work to be done in this space. We're certainly working hard at it. Uh, certainly with the DPCI um, ourselves, there's a very, very high degree of, of collaboration. Uh, we work very, very closely on a number of cases. Um, and you know, there's regular meetings now, particularly with the focus on certain types of cases. And so I think we need to enhance that with the SIU as well, so that you know things move through the conveyor belt uh, a bit quicker, and that we're able to bring cases to court. So I think you know we we are completely on board, uh, um, honourable members, that we cannot work with the silo mentality because the, the country will suffer. So how do we work to collaborate for the for the sake of the country? So I want to really make that make that very very um, clear that. We, there are gaps and we need to look very quickly. In fact, I think we have a meeting later this week uh, with the Fusion Center colleagues uh, to discuss the issue um, of collaboration and how we can make sure that we actually draw on the strengths of each of the entities for the benefit ultimately um, to prosecutions in cases and recovery of assets. Um, so there was another question about asset recovery and I agree, Honorable Lise, this is a small amount um, if one looks at, at, at firstly, the, you know, how much of money, um, the estimates of how much of money has been stolen from our country, it is, uh, it, you know, it's been estimated at almost a third of our GDP. 
So I agree that this, this is a very, very small amount. So we've got asset recovery. There's two ways of, uh, firstly, we're looking at in the context of this particular discussion, where we're only looking at cases that the referrals from the SIU to the NPA. And I certainly hope that our parliamentary, I want to put this into the mix that when there's legislative amendments that the SIU Act be amended to, to, uh, for referrals from the SIU to actually go to the, to the DPCI and then we work with the DPCI. So, you know, that, is, that should be the, the easier process and the correct process because the NPA is not the investigative uh, does not is not the investigative investigative arm, so to speak. So, if you look at asset recovery, getting back to that, you have asset recovery in the context of the SIU referrals, and there, as Advocate Baseswa indicated earlier on, um, a lot of these um, the recoveries are done in the context of the SIU um, framework, and so um, by the time the matters come through to the NPA and the AFU. Um, there's not much left. But if one looks at SA Inc. as a whole, at least there have been recoveries by the SIU at an earlier stage in terms of their legal framework. Um, but if one looks at, you know, the, the universe of, of corruption generally, and so there's a lot of work that has, that has been taking place in the NPA in terms of capacitating the asset forfeiture unit to deal with these matters. Um, and in terms of of we are, we are looking at strategies. A lot of the money, it is estimated, has actually left the shores of South Africa. Uh, so we're looking at how mutual legal assistance with other countries, trying to trace assets. We've also looking at, we exploring at this stage, we, we, we're still looking at the pros and cons of utilizing um, maybe, uh, you know, private sector. We've had offers from some private sector uh, entities abroad to assist in asset recovery. There are pros and cons to this. So, you know, we, we, we're still exploring that. And, you know, we've I've, I've briefed, uh, spoken to the minister about it as well, but we will be very, very careful about, um, you know, how we tread in that terrain in terms of, of recovering money that has left the shores of South Africa. Um, and then also to, to note that Chapter five, that is asset recoveries that are asset forfeiture dependent on uh, criminal convictions, particularly with the big complex matters. It's dependent on, on cases being finalized. And so therefore uh, the asset recovery processes are slower because as I said, it's dependent on, on the criminal cases moving faster. But certainly within the NPA, we the, the, the prosecutors are acutely aware of the fact that their work impacts on an asset recovery and therefore trying to move the cases quicker through the system is, is a huge part of our efforts. But it must also be borne in mind that even when cases do come to court, that you know the, the, the delaying tactics of, of defense counsel also has a serious impact on, on the finalization of cases. So we are certainly you know, in the NPA we are, you know, we've we've looked at strategies to actually counter these delaying tactics. Um, but at the end of the end, all we can do is really put up really, really strong arguments against it. But but it's it's the the judiciary that ultimately will decide 
But all of that has an impact ultimately on the amount of assets that we recover. I'm not sure if adequate Bissessor wants to add anything from the asset forfeiture unit. Uh, Priya, do you want to quickly add anything on that? Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, NDPP and Chair. Um, just one aspect to add to it is the stats that were presented today, the, recover, the amount of 1.7 billion that has been recovered is only in respect of matters that have been referred by the SIU and investigated by the DPCI. It does not re represent the complete um, stats from the AFU. And as the NDPP very clearly stated, um, that there are very uh, different processes in the asset forfeiture legislation that allows us to act. And very often we are dependent on the chapter five matters, which encompass or requires a full criminal investigation to be, um, uh, to be conducted. But just a further point, uh, um, regarding the referrals from the SIU, a very small percentage of those referrals actually result in asset forfeiture potential. Firstly, due to um, uh, asset recovery already taking place in the SIU space. Secondly, the length of um, the time of the offense being committed and the referrals, which often leads to dissipation of assets. And, um, and also at the stage where recoveries can happen, a very small percentage of the frozen assets actually translate to recoveries due to dissipation and the lowering of uh, values of the assets. So um, just in conclusion, uh, as I stated, the 1.7 billion represents the assets that have been recovered or monies have been recovered solely from SIU referrals. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. I, I think we've covered um, all of the questions that have been raised. Okay. That's um, all from the end. Yeah, thank you. Um, General, will I see you coming on? Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chairperson and Honourable Members. I think that uh, I, I appreciate the uh, observation by the uh, Honourable Chair regarding other matters that uh, we are uh, seized with. Indeed, uh, it's not only the matters that have been referred by the SIA that uh, we are seized with. There are those uh, CITs, uh, police killings, uh, drug traffickers, uh, state capture investigation, the PPEs, and others. And we are also focusing on municipalities that uh, is taking also a big chunk of uh, the work uh, on hand. Maybe coming to uh, the observation by uh, the Honorable Sonia, we, uh, we can't agree more uh, with the view that uh, as uh, state agencies, uh, there is a need to collaborate uh, more. Uh, that uh, we, there is no need for cyber operations uh, while we are all independent with regard to our mandates. I also highlighted on the issue of the state president pronouncing on the fusion center, which uh, we are actually the uh, people that uh, implement that modality. Uh, I can indicate that. Uh, we closely uh, monitor the activities at the fusion center. I can say that uh, as 
on the 11th of uh, March this year, there were already 125 cases under investigation. And then uh, with regard to court processes, there are 55 cases emanating from 19 related activities, 55 in court, 18 were already finalized in court with uh, 17 convictions and one acquittal. The conviction rate is very high. Among the uh, successes, we can uh, say that uh, they have registered uh, the FIC in 23 uh, accounts that they have frozen. It involved 272 million rents, while the AFU in 28 matters, they have recovered 278 million rents, while the SIU in 26 matters, they have recovered 465 million, while the SARS in 20 matters have recovered uh, 727 million. So that is the area where there is a, a cooperation, collaboration as a Honorable uh, Sumi have indicated. So I support that view, and that is uh, what we are trying to work very hard to ensure that uh, we collaborate in all areas. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Yeah. All right. No, thank you very much, um, colleagues. I think we will we will leave it at that. Uh, with the expressed understanding that um, one, obviously collaboration is the name of the game, uh, given the you know constraints of um, resources, including but not limited to, to financial resources at this point in time. And of course, the prioritization of matters uh, in itself is an indicator of the seriousness um, which we have, not that all so that not that some matters are more important than others, they all are. Um, but also, you see, um, prosecutions are a perception driver uh, insofar as, um, you know, dealing with issues. And so one of the big things is that uh, the prosecutions must fight at the highest levels of the political echelons of the country as and when it is necessary, which is all the time. Uh, because the perception that um, big fish don't get prosecuted does not inspire confidence. In fact, it does the contrary. It um, invites a perception of political bias and political interference when really we have got every duty to ensure the independence of the law enforcement agencies. So it must go well beyond the rhetoric in the statements of intent and um, the, the well wishes of anybody, but actually practically the prosecutions must be present in fight. I think what colleagues we, we, we need to focus ourselves on is the fact that other law enforcement spaces, they themselves need to function in order for the NPA to function. And the other leg, which I think we, we, we need to, to confront, uh, colleagues, yes, the judiciary is an independent, separate arm of the state. 
uh, independent of parliament as the legislature and independent of the executive. But quite frankly, the courts are not helping. If court dates, they themselves take 110,000 years in order for a matter to reach the law. I think a, a serious discussion has to be had with the judiciary about its own effectiveness and efficiency. It's totally unacceptable that cases are stuck on the roll for the longest of time. And that by the time they actually are heard, it's what I can only term a cosmetic prosecution, prosecuting for the sake of prosecuting without the real prospects of recoveries to the state amongst others. So I think the independence of the judiciary in itself has got an obligation to adhere to certain terms and conditions of efficiency. This is just really in the collective interests of pushing back on the frontiers of corruption. Um, because I, I think if we overplay the independence card, we may run the risk of not asking the difficult questions and having the difficult conversations as a means to enhance and enable the process to be functional, effective, and efficient. So it's, it's one area that we, we, we have to look at so that, um, you, you know, you're charged today and the matter's heard three, four years down the line. If it's a matter of capacity, then we must deal with that. Do we need more judges? Do we need more clerks in the courts and so on? Do we need more court buildings and so on? That's fine. Let's have that conversation to say, what is causing the bottlenecks which result in the delays? And then we have that. But we must not sit here comfortably and leave that part out of the equation. The courts need to play ball. So that's just the one aspect. And I think the final point to the law enforcement agencies, all support and any support has got terms and conditions on our part that you yourselves need to be functional and efficient. We can't be having the same conversations all the time and every time. The needle needs to move on progress and on dealing uh, with the, 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 the challenges. We want um, comprehensive investigations the thorough investigations that result in watertight prosecutions. It's two sides of the same coin. And that's why I go back to the initial point then that collaboration is the name of the game. So we support you conditionally that you actually do the right things and achieve the right things. I think we, we will be well served if all the material aspects of the issues colleagues have raised gain receive attention and then we'll take it from there. I think colleagues, uh, we, we're making progress um, and I think we'll have to have these meetings quarterly um, until such time that, uh, you know, we, we are quite overly satisfied that uh, things are actually um, moving that regard. So we do not support uh, you with a blank check. There are terms and conditions and we are quite focused on the fact that investigations become fruitless and wasteful expenditure if they're not acted upon. We must not investigate just J. We must investigate so that the outcomes of the investigations result in consequence management for everyone. So let me give Mom Dolasha, and I think she'll have the last bite on this. Mom T, over to you. <clears throat> 
thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson, and good day to you. Chair, I'm quite excited with your uh, closing remarks. Without undermining you, I just want to make a proposal that your uh, closing remarks should be proposals that must be implemented. Remember, we raise issues between ourselves and the NPA insofar as the funding that might come elsewhere and all those questions that we're not so satisfied with their responses. I guess that all for me needs now the attention of the minister for him to find time and we also create that space for him to come before us and take us through on these matters and, and pick up all that we have just made mention of where the case sit forever in the, in the, in the, in the role, they never come uh, uh, to the attention of the courts and we get, get to know what are the difficulties and how best can we work together to frustrate that? Because for where I'm sitting here, as we are close, um, as, as we, we were correctly summarizing, it will not it will be like people who did not do anything if we are unable to retrieve the taxpayers' money that has been misused. And we'll do so by making sure that people who are alleged are being taken through the correct process. So I want to concretely suggest that let there be time for, between us, yourself, and, 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 the, and the committee. We have interaction with the minister so that he can take us through on difficulties, if there are any, and the progress, if there's, there's any, and also how best can we work together in making sure that we deal with these matters that might be a problem, even if the NPA and all other entities have done their best. But if we cannot prosecute, then that becomes a problem. That is my suggestion chair thank you so much well i think Montash, you are perfectly in order and there's no undermining at all in terms of what you said i think you are on the money i'm on that one and thank you for that i think let's take it forward in this we we are we must actually still have a follow-up meeting with the, the minister of justice you recall colleagues we met in 2020 um there was issues around special courts um and so on and so forth there was issues around um, you know, ensuring that there's additional uh, prosecutors who were, you know, funded and recruited. So that has to happen. So I think, Komtash, you are right. We will find time in our program, if not this term, early in the next term. Um, and I think with the Office of the Chief Justice as well, um, just on the, on the issues of uh, movement um, of cases as well, I think we need to have uh, that discussion as well. I mean, if uh, my view has always been, if money flows from the national fiscus and goes down to a municipal ward, uh, then we've got uh, every right as this committee to follow it to that point. And there's a budget allocated to the Office of the Chief Justice. It's not a budget with a, uh, an open-ended uh, reality to say, well, no, it's, it's one which in itself must be accounted for in that space and it must yield results. So Amdulashi, you're right. I think we will take that forward, uh, meeting with the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services um, and the Minister of Police around um, the capacity to investigate uh, is concerned where, where necessary and with the Office of the, 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 the Chief Justice. I think it's one space we must venture in um, and just make sure that there's an understanding of the gravity of the situation from 
um, all fronts. So I think that is fine, uh, colleagues. I think Stombi is alerting me to an announcement here. Just one second. Um, okay, yeah. So I think we will we will we will leave it at that, uh, colleagues. Um, yeah, Mamdolasha, you are quite right. All right. Um, let me um, thank the NDPP the head of unit of the SIU, the head of the Hawks, DPCI, and um, our colleagues from the AG and National Treasury who are with us this morning, as is Penomo. And um, thank you very much for this interaction. Uh, we will, as I've said, I think we'll be meeting quarterly um, so that uh, we can just uh, gain gauge uh, movement on issues and unlock bottlenecks where they are. So I think we will have our next engagement um, in the next quarter of parliament, end of June. Um, yeah, end of June, I think, will be when we will uh, meet again um, on these matters. It may also be timely in that the president would have submitted um, the implementation plan for, in so far as dealing with the PPE corruption, uh, no, 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 the Zondo Commission uh, report as well. So it will be timely that uh, we meet when that is actually fresh off the uh, the tray uh, out of the oven um, and engage with it. And then, of course, colleagues, the meetings that have been suggested, we will um, find time to uh, deal with those. Um, so for now, we are cautiously satisfied uh, with the progress and we'll continue to gauge it. I think what we can take out of this is that there is movement in collaboration, and I think that is important. Um, and that's something we've always wanted. Obviously, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I always say the right step in the right direction is always very, very important. Because you may be moving, but if it's not steps in the right direction, big problem. So I think, yeah, so we are quite happy with that, colleagues. Thank you very much. Um, just two announcements from our side. Tomorrow, we're dealing with reports and minutes. Uh, there's been a revision to our ESCOM oversight, which is week long, because the motion of no confidence in the president and the cabinet will sit on the same day, which is the 30th of March. So we've had to reconfigure our program a little bit, and all of us will be attending that sitting virtually because we'll do an oversight, but the program is being adjusted to make provision for the committee to be in full attendance on that. It will be a three-line whip uh, sitting. So once that has been finalized, we are in touch with the House Chair. Uh, of the, pro the revised program will reach his desk uh, by probably two o'clock. So we will be going to ESCOM um, along those lines. So it's just those uh, two things. Otherwise, colleagues, Umangazuzuzbini, thank you very much and have a good day further and a good week ahead. Good day and God bless. Uh, chair, which side yeah? are you? Which side what? are you? Where? Which side are you? I'm Tim Scarpa. No, I'm going to take you in the area where there's no uh what's name connection. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to an honor of police. An enclosure where you won't find any space. Hi, Shalele Tembe, you Tembe, you are Pilis.
Uh, that's right. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.